Uh, With that, why don't you guys stand with me as we read the Word of God today, opening up in John chapter 21, beginning with verse 20. If you need a Bible, just put your hands up. We've got some Bibles uh, up front here for you. So beginning with verse 20, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Uh, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for today, and we, we look to you today. We thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to gather in your name to seek your word and to hear from you. Lord, that's our desire. We're here for you, and we want to hear from you. We love you. Uh, Lord, we continue to pray for, the, for those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who are struggling, Lord. We especially uh, pray for Kelly and John Wildo with uh, the attack that has taken place in their community. Um, Lord, we pray for your safety and protection over them right now. Would you touch them, Father? Would you have your hand upon them? Lord, give them your favor. We continue to pray for Greg. Lord, we thank you for the bits of progress that he's having. And Lord, we continue to ask that you would heal him. We continue to pray for Beth Hudson. Lord, uh, we thank you that the surgery went well this week. We pray that recovery goes well. We pray that you would touch her father, strengthen her even now, and be with the whole family as they walk through this recovery together. Lord, we, we trust in you. We believe that you are good. We believe that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond all we can ask or even imagine. So we put all of our hope in you. We ask that you bless us and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning once again. It is a great privilege and blessing to be together today and and to celebrate today, truly celebrating uh, transformed life in our brother Mike uh, and celebrating the fact that we get to come together and study the word of God together and worship our Savior together and asking God to do great things. Before we get into the study, I have one more announcement. I'm, I'm excited. This is an exciting Sunday. We've finished the Gospel of John today, um, which is the first entire Sunday morning series that I've done. And uh, it's, it's an exciting day, but looking forward to... Next week, we get to begin the book of Ephesians, 
And uh, in studying Ephesians, who knows how long that's going to take. Um, John, it's been like six, 17 months, you know, and that's pretty quick, actually. Uh, Ephesians is only six chapters, so it should take us like two years. Um, there's a lot in Ephesians, okay? But hey, we, are, we have put on order a bunch of these little things. You might wonder what that is. This is a, uh, a journal Bible on just the book of Ephesians. And so we put a bunch of them on order. They haven't come in yet, but they will be here within the next couple days. And I thought this might be a great opportunity for uh, us as a body. If you would like, if you're a note taker, what it looks like is this. You have your scripture text on one side, and you have some note opportunities on the other side. And as we study through, and maybe you're like, I don't take notes. I fully expect the majority of people to get these to be women. Um, <laughs> Just saying, guys, you know, prove me wrong. Um, but this is, a, this is a great opportunity as a body to just uh, pick up one of those. So you can, at the info counter or info kiosk today, uh, it's just, it's, it's simple, it's cheap, it's five bucks. And we put a bunch of them on order and you can, you can put your name down today uh, to be able to, you know, be front in line for one of those next week. And if we need more, we'll order more. Uh, but we did put a bunch of them uh, on that order so you guys can get those in the New King James Version to follow along with us and to be able to take those notes and then you can compile, you know, maybe in the next study and you have stacks of these going on, you can get the whole Bible and these things, but we order just a bunch of the book of Ephesians. All right? So, excited for that. Uh, you can put your name down at the info counter and, and buy that for $5 today. John chapter 21, today we are concluding our study, and uh, it's been such a blessing studying through this book. Last week, we left off where Peter is being restored to relationship and to ministry. That's, that's right now what's taking place in the life of Peter, is that he's being restored to relationship with Jesus and he's being restored to a calling in ministry that he, as we talked about last week, would be the pastor, the first pastor of the early church. This is what Jesus laid out for him. Uh, the great, this great calling to ministry, and then even further, uh, Jesus calling him and telling him how he's going to die, and that he would be crucified, and, and we got to study through these things uh, last week, and now looking into this final, these closing words uh, that John gets involved in as the writer even. But here in verse 20, then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following who also had leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Now Jesus just gave a great challenge to Peter. And that challenge was, Follow me. Now, Jesus has said this before, and he would say it again, but he said to him, follow me. And if we look back, we looked at when Peter was called, and we talked about how when Peter was called, it was a similar situation to here and now when Jesus is calling him to ministry. He called him to follow him. That was a, a literal, hey, Peter, come and follow me. And now he's saying, Peter, continue to follow me. And it looks different now because I'm not going to be physically with you, but I will empower you. 
You're going to be able to do things that you never thought you were going to be able to do. You're going to be empowered to do great things for the kingdom, and you're actually going to be called to do great things for the kingdom. And so as he says, follow me, what is the difference now? We talked about that Jesus is risen from the dead. That's the difference from the first time he called Peter and said, follow me. And now when he says, follow me, this is the resurrected Christ. Emphasizing, of course, the importance of following Jesus in order to be able to take on the ministry that he was called to and the death that he was called to. He needed Jesus, and Jesus knew it, so he says to follow me. It wasn't a general, follow me. It was direct, and Jesus knew that Peter needed that clear-cut direction, just as each of us do. Listen, we hear those words, follow me, and we're like, yeah, that's good. Follow Jesus. That's a good thing to do, right? Follow Jesus. Or as Paul would even write, follow me as I follow Christ. That's good. That's a nice sentiment in general sense. But we have to take it as a directive, not just a general like, yeah, follow Jesus. Do what you can. Jesus is calling Peter very directly to follow him because that's what it would take to fulfill the calling in ministry, to fulfill the calling to death that he was called to. It's scary stuff. But Jesus said, follow me. Very directly, very specifically. So now Peter, verse 20, then Peter, he turned around. His response, he's walking with Jesus. He's talking with Jesus. Remember we talked about how the fact that Jesus had taken him aside. So you get this picture. They're on the beach there, Sea of Galilee. Nice morning breakfast. The sun is rising. They're walking together down the beach. And John is kind of creeping by following closely, close enough. But Peter's response in this moment with Jesus is to turn around. Peter is in direct interaction, conversation with Jesus. And he turns because he was distracted. He turns, in a sense, even to try to deflect Things and the attention and the focus off of himself. This is a high calling that Jesus just called him to. This was a great challenge that Jesus just challenged him to. He said, man, you're going to do great things for the kingdom, and it's going to be hard work, and it's going to be amazing work, and you're called to be a shepherd. And Peter had a certain understanding of what that meant, and that is hard work. And Jesus made that clear. He said, feed my sheep and, and tend my sheep. Feed them, tend to them. It's not just put some food out and put some water out. It takes the hard work, the cleanup, the, the, the cleaning, the, the care, the attention. The hard work that's involved. Peter knew that. And Peter knew it's going to get even worse and there was going to be suffering involved. And in the midst of that, he was going to die the same death, the crucifixion that Jesus would die. So you might imagine if Jesus just told you Hey, you're going to do a lot of hard work for me, and you're going to die for me. You might look around and be like, can I find somebody else? It's also recognizing that John was following close enough for Peter to be distracted by him. Listen, there's always going to be distractions, right? And it might be a blessed distraction. 
like your brother John, who's following close by. But there's always going to be things. Listen, the bottom line is if you are with Jesus, don't be distracted. When Jesus is making clear a calling to you, don't be distracted by what's going on around you. Oh, there's nothing wrong. It's just my brother John. It's okay. Don't be distracted. Sometimes we get distracted with things and and the people around us when Jesus is trying to teach us. We do it well in church, right? We hear a word, and this one especially, we're going to have this marriage seminar coming up. And and when we address, you know, the husbands, the wives are quick to like, hey, you heard that? And when we address the wives, the husbands are quick to say, hey, do you hear that? We're good at this. We are distracted and we like to deflect right, and, and deter the attention from ourselves and, and bring the attention on to somebody else. We get distracted with the things around us. When Jesus is trying to teach us, when Jesus is saying, follow me, and we're like, oh, well, that might be a little harder than, a, John, hey, come here. But there's John, following closely, close enough to hear the conversation as he gives a very specific account of the interaction between Jesus and Peter. But he's making himself near to Jesus. This was John. John was always near to Jesus. Jesus took Peter aside. John's kind of creeping behind a little bit. You know, when, when, when everybody else left, who was at the cross? John. Everybody abandoned. They ran away. They were, they were afraid. Peter denied Jesus and then ran away. But John was there. John was so near to Jesus. And in this place and time, he understood how important these encounters were with Jesus after the resurrection. That's so important to realize the difference before and after the resurrection. The resurrection that we've talked about so many times that has completely changed the world. It has completely changed the history and the trajectory of the world. And you might not believe that. Listen, I hate to tell you you're wrong. Jesus is what matters, and the resurrection is the foundation of all our faith. The resurrection changed the world. And John understood that. And now when the resurrected Christ shows up, John's like, I'm going to stay close. I am going to find myself close enough to be able to hear what he's saying, to be able to see what he's doing. Because what's this all about? The gospel of John? The words and the works of Jesus Christ. And John was able to write about so specifically the words and works of Jesus Christ because he was near. He was always near. He was always right there. Right there. Verse 21, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Peter sees him, he's drawn attention to him, and he's looking for an out. And he found one, so he thought. Listen, if you're looking for an out, 
There's always going to be somebody else, honestly. Because God will do the work that God's going to do. And we may miss out on it. You know, we just studied this week in Genesis about Abraham. And this calling of the promise that God had on him. And and Abraham was entrusted with the lineage of promise in his son who would lead to Jesus. That was entrusted to Abraham. And from there, Abraham took matters into his own hands and now put into question and doubt the lineage of promise. He could have destroyed the lineage of promise. He lied and told uh, Abimelech, the king, that his wife was his sister. It could have completely destroyed the lineage. It could have brought into question the lineage. Because people may have thought, well, Abimelech might be the father instead of Abraham. This is, these are the things that could have brought into question. And now, now what? Does it discount the lineage of Jesus himself? But you see, God stepped in. And God did exactly what needed to be done. He showed up in a dream to Abimelech and said, you are a dead man. Give the wife back to the man. I didn't know. He lied to me. She lied to me. I didn't know about it. It's not my fault. God shows up. God does exactly what's needed to protect that lineage. Now, that's just an example, and there are so many examples, but God will do what God needs to do. If we're turning and looking for an out, then you know what? There may be somebody else who gets to experience the blessing, that gets to be a part of the promise, and we miss out on it. But Peter had a high calling on his life, and Jesus was going to call him even further here. But Peter sees him. He looks for that out. He found John. When Jesus calls us to follow him, do we respond in obedience or look for him to call someone else? You know, sometimes we get those phone calls and somebody needs some help to do something. Or maybe if you're getting that phone call and you know that somebody always calls only for help, you're like, oh, I can't answer right now. I have other things, you know, you, you, I'm not going to answer that one. And then maybe they'll go on to the next person. And then the blessing is for the next person because they answered the call. But we forget that sometimes. We think it's a burden. It's not a burden. It's a blessing. To serve one another, it's a blessing. Do we look for someone else? Do we look for Jesus to call someone else? When we're called, when we're convicted, when we're challenged. We don't like conviction. We don't like challenges. We're like, hey, go challenge somebody else. Go convict somebody else. I want to do this. Just this week, my wife and I, we started eating more healthy. I'm like, why can't somebody else eat more healthy? But it's a conviction the Lord has put on my heart, and I'm like, i got to do it, but I don't like it. But the Lord put that conviction on my heart, and maybe some of you too. 
Maybe you're thinking, I know what you mean. It's the worst. When that conviction comes, are we looking for somebody else? When somebody else walks in a conviction or somebody else follows, the, you know, obeys the challenge or the call that God has, then maybe he had for you. What do we, we miss out. When God gives you a vision and calling, be faithful to it. It's simple. Don't look for someone else to do it. He's given the opportunity to you. So what about John? That's where Peter's at. He's like, what about John? And what he's saying here is what about John in his calling to ministry that you're talking to me about, my calling to ministry, about the fruit of his ministry, about the calling to death and the cause of death? You told me all these things. Can you tell him? What about him? Now there's kind of twofold here. Peter responded this way because of, one, he loved John. This is his friend. This is a, a brother in Christ that he has spent so much time with. And, and they are literally closest brothers here. And he's like, what about John? Is he going to be crucified as well? But also to deflect and say, well, what about John? No, you know, okay, I heard what you said, but can you say something like that to John as well? I want to know that I'm not alone. Curiosity, of course, too. Hearing a calling from the Lord and thinking, hey, what did he tell you? Did you hear from him too? But remember that Jesus just told Peter to follow him. Peter was caught up in all the other stuff. Peter was caught up in this high calling to ministry and the death. That's scary. Are we not so concerned and we get all caught up in death that we forget to live? That we're afraid of the calling because of what it might lead to? Peter's not forsaking the call, but he's definitely concerned after learning that it leads to death. Wondering if this is just for me, am I alone? Or can John come too? Or is John coming too? Verse 22, so Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. First thing here, he says, if I will. Jesus doesn't, for, he doesn't send John away. As John's been following along, he's like, John, I have a moment with Peter. Leave us alone. Peter needs to focus here. He doesn't send him away, but he brings him into the discipleship opportunity. As John also would be a great leader in the early church. But Jesus says, I will. If I will. The will of Jesus is what matters. And as I said before, if we're not obedient to the call, his will will still be done. It may be with us or it may be without us. And if it's with us, that means there's going to be some pain along the way. 
like our brother Jonah, who did not want to walk in obedience, but God had a plan and said, okay, I'm going to take you from here. I'm going to move you here, and it's going to be by fish. (laughs) And then Jonah's like, okay, I'll do it. But his will is what matters. And his will is redemption. It's salvation. Peter himself would write that. His will is that all would be saved. It's salvation. And that's what matters. And everything that happens is about following Jesus. Whether it comes down to me or whether it comes down to you, it's about following Jesus and bringing people along to follow Jesus. Now, in one sense, Peter had it right to say, what about John? Let's bring him along too. But he was focused more on the death and the difficulty of the calling. But that's the lesson here we can't forget. The will of Jesus is what matters We need not be so concerned with the calling of others when Jesus makes his will for us very clear. And that is follow. That is walk with him. As we talked about in the last few weeks is a personal commitment and dedication to Jesus. That's his will. You want to know his will for your life? It's a big question. Everybody wants to answer. What is God's plan for my life? What is his will for my life? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Remember that. We want to figure it out, though. I want to know. I want to know. What are my kids going to be when they grow up? Are they going to get good grades and get you know, scholarships to go to college? Are they going to be in ministry? Is any, can, I, can I get a professional athlete somewhere along the way, right? We got, come on, what's, what's God's will and can I help it? God's will is that my children follow Jesus. Parents, listen. That's God's will. And his will is what matters over yours. And as a parent, it is so easy to think, this is what I want to create. And it's good. So it must be God's will. Or I know God's will, or I can direct God's will for my child. Teach them, most importantly, to follow Jesus. That's what Jesus is calling Peter to. Follow me. The other stuff, it works out, man. Follow Jesus. Seek him. And and what we often will do is we will seek him for the answer to the question that we have. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to take this job or stay in this job? Or what what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go to this college or that college? Lord, tell me your will, and we will start seeking him when we need an answer rather than just getting to know him, just being near like John. John didn't have to have this same type of moment with Jesus as Peter did. 
Peter needed to be restored, and Jesus needed to make it very clear for him. But John got it because he was near. He was just drawing near to Jesus and just literally following Jesus down the beach. So for your life, for your children, number one, you follow Jesus. And if there is one thing that your kids can take away from your life, let it be that they follow Jesus. That's all that matters. That's how we make disciples. Jesus said it, make disciples. Okay, how do we do it? I've got four little ones in my house, so I'm working on these four disciples. And there's others, of course, that the Lord brings into our lives that we can work on making disciples, and we preach the gospel to make disciples. We share the love of Jesus to make disciples. But it starts with those opportunities to point people to following Jesus. That's where it starts with us. That is his will. And responding to Peter, Jesus starts with his will. Not more instruction for Peter. He already made the instruction clear. But he says, it's my will. That's what matters. And his will, this is directly concerning John. And he says, so if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And his will concerning John. Now, as he's saying it to Peter, he's like, maybe, maybe it's my will that John never dies. Now, this is what makes clear to us that Peter was so concerned about death because Jesus talks about death. He's addressing that concern that Peter has. He says, listen, Peter, if I will that John doesn't have to experience death at all until I come, that's my will. What is that to you? Does that matter when it comes to you following Jesus? And we, we want to do this sometimes. We want to set things up in order to follow Jesus. We want to put things in a certain order so then we will follow Jesus. If this happens in my life and this happens in this, then I'll follow Jesus. But Jesus just points him to him directly. And now it's concerning John. Maybe it is that John would never die. But what is required of John is different than what is required of Peter. The calling is different. And each one of us, we don't have to look around, we need to look at us. And Jesus says, follow me. So what does that mean today? That is the number one takeaway today as we conclude the Gospel of John, follow Jesus. But what is the calling on John's life? We know that there's a great calling. It's interesting now, as this says here, if, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? It's interesting that the Bible is actually silent on when and how John would die. Tradition says that he died in Ephesus toward the end of the first century, but we do know that he had a tremendous calling. And that calling, listen, in, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, you don't have to turn there, but John wrote the book of Revelation. He says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. What he doesn't say in this verse is that I was exiled 
for preaching the gospel by the emperor. He doesn't give the credit to the emperor. He says, this is why I'm on the island. It is for the kingdom. A brother in suffering, a brother in patience. Listen, this, is, this tells us the calling of John's life in ministry was to suffer. It was for the kingdom work, and it was for patience. He would just move on, press on, meaning even that he lived to an old age. Exiled to this island, but he doesn't claim that, oh, it's exile. And, I'm just, and everything's miserable and difficult. He's like, no, I'm here on this island for an opportunity. I could get some alone time finally and write this word that the Lord has given me. Exiled for the word of God. Exiled for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He wasn't there at the hand of the emperor, as it might seem. He was there because of his calling for great ministry and great suffering. And oftentimes those go hand in hand. There's a quote on suffering by John Perkins. It says, suffering has a way of sharpening your vision, helping you focus on what really matters in life. It's a testing ground. I feel like God is testing me to see if I really believe the things I have been preaching all of these years. That to me, man, that's a word for the Johns, for the Peters, for all the many who've gone before who have suffered for their faith and died even for their faith. And listen, Christians, Jesus said in this life, you will have trouble. Suffering is real, but what it does is it sharpens our vision. It helps us focus on what really matters. It's God asking us and testing us, do you believe it? It's in the suffering that we're called to go deeper. You see, John had things revealed to him in the, the whole book, the revelations. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He saw things that no one else had seen. Still to this day, he saw Jesus Christ in all of the glory and the revelation because John just followed Jesus. So back to Peter. Jesus addresses him. He says, you follow me. That's what matters. It doesn't matter about John. If I want John to live forever, John will live forever. But you, Peter, follow me. John's calling is different from yours. And so what's his calling to you? You're called, and I have called you to follow me. You decide, because you need to follow me. It's up to you and nobody else. It's based on you and nobody else. Your decision, you follow. It's based on your decision and it's based on the words and the works of Jesus Christ. Verse 23, 
Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This saying went out. Now, the same problem that we have today in the world is the same problem they had back in the day. Rumors in the church, right? People jumping to conclusions. It's not a new thing. The rumor was that John would not die. But the emphasis was not on John at all, was it? It was on Peter and the calling. Peter, follow me. That's what the word was. That's what the challenge was. But the people got caught up in the idea, well, Jesus said that John would not die. The lack of clarity on the death of John gave some credit to the rumors, but John himself clarifies it in his writing right here. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. Okay, we're good. Let's remember that. John himself said it. No, no, Jesus didn't say that I wouldn't die. This is what he said. If I will, then what's that to you? Bringing the focus back to Peter. And it's so like the church today. It's so like the religious world today. When Jesus says, follow me, and that focus is on Peter. It's on a decision that needs to be made to trust and follow Jesus. And the church gets caught up in death. What about John? Is he going to live forever? That's not what it's about. It's about following Jesus. We get all caught up in the part about John not dying. We get all caught up about the physical things and not fixing our eyes on Jesus. We've seen this take place over the last two years in the world, very much so. All caught up on death and forgetting, perhaps, that we need to be followers of Jesus, first of all. Not followers of the latest social media trend or the latest news outlet that's going to tell us some sort of version of truth. Just follow Jesus. But the focus was on Peter and Jesus is asking Peter, will you follow me to death regardless if your brother would suffer the same? Let's be honest, misery loves company. (laughs) And Peter would have loved some company in this calling, right? But Jesus called Peter regardless of company. Jesus calls you regardless of company. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter even what people think of you. Jesus says, follow me. And Jesus' comment concerning John was purely hypothetical. John makes that clear. Verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. This is the conclusion. These two verses, it's a two-part conclusion that John himself writes. His conclusion is, this is the disciple It is a self-designation as the writer of the book. This is 
who we're talking about here is the writer. The one who followed Jesus so closely. The one who watched Jesus, who heard the words and works and saw the works of Jesus directly. He's the writer. It's a claim This verse here is a claim to truth of his testimony because he had been with Jesus. That certainly validates a testimony. He had been with Jesus. He had seen the risen Christ. John is a credible witness, and he says it of himself. There's been so much focus even in the gospel here about witnesses And about being a verified or validated witness. We've seen that on different trial type circumstances that Jesus was in. You needed multiple witnesses. But John's saying, look, I am an eyewitness. That's when everything, everybody starts to listen. Even in a court case of some sort today, when you have an eyewitness, whoa, listen up. This is important. John is an eyewitness testifying clearly of the great life-changing words and works of Jesus. And that's what this book is all about. Verse 25, and there are so many other things. You guys have heard me say this before. But wait, there's more. We've said it so many times throughout this gospel, but wait, there's more. And when you're talking about Jesus, who says, follow me, you can be confident in saying, but wait, there's more. It's even better than that. There's even more than that. There's so much more. And that's what John is saying here. Verse 25, he says, but wait, there's more. This has been a glorious infomercial here, hasn't it? John wrote the truth. And what he says here, there's so many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Imagine that. All the world could not contain. John wrote the truth as he validated his testimony is true, but he could not contain all of the truth. In fact, all the scripture and all the world cannot contain it. In fact, the entire Bible is about one person, Jesus Christ, and that can't contain it. All the things, if they were recounted, every single thing that Jesus said and did, the whole world couldn't contain. And that would even include the things that Jesus has done throughout all of history. John is writing this in the first century. He's recounting these things in just the life of Jesus. But how about all the things that Jesus still does today? How about all the things that Jesus has done throughout the last 2,000 years? The world cannot contain. The Gospel of John summed up here. 
The entire world cannot contain all the wonderful words and works of Jesus. His words are everything because he alone has the words of eternal life. His works validate everything because he has fulfilled the great work of salvation. And after all the words and works have been recorded here, through all of it, the summation is the red words of Jesus in these final verses. You follow me. That's what God, the gospel of John is all about. That you might have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All the testimony that John shares, all the words and works that he tells about, which is only a tiny fraction, is that you would follow Jesus. That's his will. That's his desire. Let's pray. We thank you, Jesus, and we, we glorify you. We give you our hearts. Lord, today we, we respond to the words, follow me. We want to follow you. We've recognized that we need you. And if there's anybody here today and you've not responded to that word, Jesus is calling. Jesus has fulfilled the work of salvation and he calls you to follow him. So would you? Would you live a life that is dedicated to him?